All right. Um, this is 22 West Radio, um, 88.3, um, formerly known as K-Beach, yada, yada, yada. Um, and you are listening to the D49er Update. Uh, my name is Joel Vaughn. I am hosting for you tonight. And for the time being, um, since we are shifting in and out of guests tonight, um, to my left, we have our opinions editor, Daniel, if you could just introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Daniel Green. I am the new opinions editor. I'm new to the post. Um I enjoy um, being a 49er my first time here. So. You, you enjoy being it's, it's all right. We'll take yeah. it easy on you. All right. And then also you'll never be as, well, fantastic, frankly, as Hunter's first appearance on the show. And speaking of which, Hunter, that's you. Hi, I'm Hunter Lee. I'm the photo editor. Uh, happy to be back. Yeah, well, I am too. I am too. Is that going to be the bit now? Like, every time we talk to you? Uh, anyway, keeping it moving. Uh, <laughs> Sam, that's you. Say some words. Yeah, hi, everybody. I'm Samantha Diaz, Arts and Life Editor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and tonight we are mixing it up a little bit. Um, we are adding in opinion instead of sports, so unfortunately um, our good boy Luker won't be here tonight. But, yeah, so up first we got arts, then we got news, then we got opinions, then we got more news on news. So... Yeah, um, let's start with uh, the theater schedule, or schedule, however you would like to call it, whenever you're ready over there, Sam. Okay, awesome. So this story is running in tomorrow's paper, so it'll be on stands tomorrow, but it's basically a rundown of the spring 2018 theater schedule. So I spoke to creative director Jeff uh, Jeff Janiszewski for this interview, mm-hmm. and he basically just gave me a breakdown of every single play that's coming up. So... The first play of the season is going to be opening next Friday, and it's called Dreamers Aki Iaya. Mm-hmm. And that play um, just follows DACA recipients through their journey of going um, going to visit their family in Mexico and then crossing over the border and coming back, and just that whole process and really like all yeah. the fear and anxiety that goes into being mm-hmm. a DACA recipient under this administration. Yeah, we talked a little bit about it earlier, and there's like kind of a very much a... Um, uh, how would you put it? Like a um, activist, like kind of um, gear towards this thing. Uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then how did they kind of implement that into the actual like research they did for this mm-hmm. first play here? Yeah, so the research that went into making this play was actually really hands-on, and it's one of the most interesting things I've heard of, and I'm super excited to go see this play. Um, so what they did is a few of the cast members and the director, or both directors, because it's uh, two women that directed this play, mm-hmm. they all went with, um, they collaborated with the California-Mexico Study Center, which sends students every year to Mexico to visit their family. Mm-hmm. So they went, they tagged along with them this last summer, and really these students just followed um, these dreamers around while they visited their family. They um, attended some conferences. They stayed with them after to go to some um, groupie, uh, group therapy sep- sessions. Yeah. And like, what did they kind of, um, like, like, what, like, like, how, what is the integration like that, of that into the play? Like, how does it kind of breathe and bloom from there? Mm-hmm. So the play is actually based on these journal entries from the dreamers. Mm-hmm. So when they come back, they go to these group therapy sessions and they write about their experience and everything they were feeling and thinking while they were there and just how the whole experience was coming back, especially crossing the border. That's always scary because there's really no guarantee that they'll um, let you re-enter. Yeah. So they wrote these journal entries and those entries are literally word for word in the play. So 
it's it's integrated like all throughout the play, all throughout the story, and it's actually part of um I forgot to say it's part of the Devising Democracy series that CalRep started last year. Mm-hmm. Um it's a four year promise basically to students that these plays that they put on here are gonna be addressing issues to students that are going that are either mm-hmm. we're facing or going through at the time. So they're very timely pieces, and they're all devised by yeah. our own theater ensemble. They're not written by anyone else. Uh-huh. So, like, the kind of, like, meta of that is just, like, fascinating. Like, the actual, like, gathering of the research, yeah. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like, so how does that, like, kind of theme continue out through the rest of the plays for the season? Like, what's up next? Uh-huh. So all the plays this season pretty much are about issues that are facing students or just facing Californians as a whole because it is the California Repertory um, Production Company. So the second play of the season is going to be a play called We Are Proud to Present. Mm-hmm. And it's um, that play is going to be about this African genocide that took place in the 1800s. Um, and it's about those characters and what they went through and the people and the heroes and just really the whole journey. No one really knows about that genocide, but... Um, when I was speaking to Jeff, he said that the most interesting thing about that play is that it kind of turns itself onto the audience. So by the end of it, the audience is supposed to be reflecting upon their own strengths and weaknesses and how those come out into society and how we as people are supposed to either grow or how we hide them. Mm -hmm. And just really, um, yeah, he said it's just really supposed to be a self-reflective piece. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, kind of drawing in uh so is there any more details on like the actual inspiration behind the play that you have or well that one is not um an original piece it Mm. was it's by another playwright um i'm forgetting his name right now but um it's been performed in many places the la times and new york times have their Mm. own reviews up on the play so um it's not really by our company yeah but they took it and they're making their own version of it Mm -hmm. um a little more of an original piece is the next one, Antigone X, and that's going to be the third play of the season. Mm-hmm. And that one, um, it takes the Antigone story by Sophocles, the the old like Greek mythology one. Uh, yeah. And a, um, mm-hmm. no, no, keep going. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, and that play is really just about um, fighting this authoritarian government and following your heart instead of following these rules that are set for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but and the it, interesting thing about this play is that they really try to modernize it so it's keeping the classic story but it's weaving in all these issues that are facing us today so issues of police brutality black lives matter the me too movement mm-hmm. anything that they feel are facing students today that those issues are going to be presented in that play yeah well see that one's particularly interesting to me on um, how they just like kind of rework and rewrite that i have not like seen or read like the original like text material for this either mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i don't know um if you are interested in seeing that play, I guess I would recommend it. I, I, I think I think it would be an interesting experience. Yeah, but I mean, I, I read it in high school. I think if you're familiar with the story and you read it in high school, then you should definitely go see it. It's going to be cool to see it modernized and just like changed into different stories. Really, mm-hmm. a kind of a reinterpretation. Mm-hmm. You know, um, yeah, no, it's it's relevant too, which is nice. Then we have End of Days as well. Yeah, so yeah. the last play to end the season it's called end of days um and that was definitely intentional and this play kind of it was chosen to be the last one not just because of its title but because of its theme and its message so 
every play leading up to this one is about issues facing us and there's no real solution presented but mm-hmm. this play is kind of where audiences get the solution it's so, a high note i guess yeah say. yeah definitely mm-hmm. so this story is about a 16 year old girl um She's, like, this goth atheist girl, and she's living in this world with, like, all these wacky characters. So, like, there's her paranoid mom who is, like, waiting for the rapture, and there's her neighbor who's, like, an Elvis impersonator, mm-hmm. and her dad who's always in pajamas for some reason. Yeah. And and then the end of the world happens. Yeah. And they're all waiting for it, and it's expected, but there's really a sense of hope in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not going to be, like, this dark play where the world is ending. Mm-hmm. Um but really, it's just teaching audiences how, even when we're facing all these issues that we are, um, that there's still some hope in it, and there's still a way to get through. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, and what's kind of, like, the, like, scheduling out for these? Um, so I don't know them off the top Ooh. of my head, but I, I do know the the Dreamers one comes out on the 16th. Well, you know. See the Dreamers one and pick up a program. Yeah, definitely. I, yeah. I, all the dates will be in tomorrow's article. I just don't have them on hand. Yeah, of course. And that also helps uh, pimp our paper. Do you have anything to kind of close out this first segment for the next, uh, I don't know, say four minutes on like, oh, don't worry. I'm just joking. <laughs> Not really, though. <laughs> um, on like what to like kind of expect coming out of arts here, like within the next week or so. The next week? Uh, let me think. So this Friday um, is the Beach Cafe. Mm-hmm. It's where all of the performing arts students, or not all of them, but you have to you have to um, audition to be included in this. But any student is welcome that's in the Performing Arts Center. Um, they get together in the Daniel Recital Hall and and they perform whatever they want, basically. So what's cool about the Beach Cafe is that while one student may be studying dance. Um, they can go up and they can do a duet with a student who's studying mm-hmm. anything else. Yeah. Um, so it's really a time for students to just be able to branch out on what they're used to. And you get to see a lot of cool things. When I covered it last semester, it was really, it was really fun mm-hmm. and funny. And just seeing all these students supporting each other, there was a lot of like, um, like clapping coming from the audience and yeah, it was just really supportive and I didn't expect that, but it's super cool. And that's this Friday at um, 8 PM and I would definitely go to that and we're going to have video and story coverage next week. Yeah. All right. Um, cool. Um, well you and Hunter actually covered an event there last night. Um, this mm-hmm. one I don't know a whole lot about. I'm more than willing to admit that, but the Diana Guerrera thing. Diane Guerrero. Uh-huh. Guerrero. <laughs> Can't even say your name, right? <laughs> Real quality journalism here, guys. Um, well, what was kind of that like? And what was, like, the impetus behind that? And feel free to jump in at any point here, Hunter, if you'd like. Yeah, so the event we covered was ASI's Evening With. And this year was Diane Guerrero. She was the guest that they brought. And she's um, a star in Orange is the New Black and mm-hmm. Jane the Virgin. And, and, yeah, it was just, it was really cool, honestly. The whole event, like... I don't know. I was stressed out because I was writing on deadline. Yeah. But I still got to enjoy it, and she was so funny, and she had the audience laughing, and at one point everyone was singing and clapping along with her, and she she promoted pineapple on pizza, and the crowd went crazy. It was just really fun. <laughs> yeah. And well, I mean, that's the only right way to eat pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to disagree. But <laughs> well, you're wrong. But <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I'm like, what are some of the things that she actually like said at the event and came up and so on and so forth? Yeah, so the main issues that she was there to talk about was DACA and being a dreamer and immigration rights. Um, and that's that's what she spoke about. Um, she spoke a lot about the issue of being an immigrant in this country mm-hmm. and it was really heavy at first um for anyone that doesn't know her story or her her activism um when she was 14 years old she came home from school and her parents had been taken to prison mm-hmm. they shortly got deported to Colombia and they still haven't been able to re-enter the country yeah so she went to school she went to college she actually wanted to be an investigative journalist which really? i didn't know and i wow. i was super happy when she said that last mm-hmm. night but um but yeah she found her way into acting and she's been super successful and she's used her platform in a really admirable way and but even through all this like she's still she's still struggling with the same issue that a lot of our students are yeah i mean it's it's not something it's kind of like this whole like intersectional idea that Mm -hmm. you know uh uh, i mean i I guess it's kind of cross-intersectional because certain issues like cross um and certain like dividing lines. So, you know, like, even though you're a successful actress and so on and so forth, you are still impacted by yeah. um, these issues we have around immigration, ICE, yeah, deportation, mm-hmm. everything like that. Yeah, that's why I thought she was such a perfect guest to have on because, I mean, she it wasn't like a like a really um, doom and gloom speech. Like she was talking about these really heavy issues, but she was always leaving off with like a note of hope. So she was telling students to just get involved in any organization that they can um, to support their brothers and sisters here, to get involved in any like area of study that we need more representation in. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, it was really hopeful and inspirational and she was just telling students to not be ashamed or afraid of who they are. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely. And that article will be coming out tomorrow in print, right? Yeah, it was online last night and Uh it will be on tomorrow's front page. Mm -hmm. So either check it out right now online or, you know, look at it in print. And Mm -hmm. with that, guys, we are going to our first break. But if you are listening to this later on SoundCloud, we will be back in literally a snap. And we are back, guys. This is the D49er update on 22 West. Um, that's 22westmedia.com, 88.3. Um, we are formerly known as K-Beach, so on and so forth. Check out our magazine. Check out the Daily 49er. Yep. Um, and we are back doing some news. News, news, news. Um, over here with our, our boy, our photo boy, Hunter. Hello. Hello. Glad to be back again. Yeah, man. <laughs> I'm excited to have you back. There's always a story that comes out of it. I'm prepared. You're you are prepared. You're locked and loaded. You're you're grinding the gears and ready to go. All right. So applications, Hunter. Um, what's what's the hot diggity on the applications for 2018? So the hot news on applications is Long Beach has received a record amount. Which isn't totally unusual. We usually break our record every year, but this time we hit the triple digits with mm-hmm. 102,000 applicants for uh, the fall 2018 semester. Yeah, so lots of people coming in, which is kind of a little bit dicey, um, considering that we are kind of meeting that with um, a little bit less money for the CSUs and t- coming into 2018 around here. What's kind of the... Uh, on that with like the master plan and all that well uh yeah so 
with uh, Governor Jerry Brown's new uh, budget plan for the state, uh, education or the CSU system will be receiving around uh, $92 million, which only really covers about a third of the general budget, which is around $263 million. Mm-hmm. So that's not really helping out too much here. Yeah, it, it, it's it's not a good thing. And, I mean, I don't know. Like, Cal State Long Beach has faced, like, big rejection numbers, though, in the past as well, particularly, like, with, like, um, 2016, um, fall of 2016, that is, where kind of the details, like, surrounding that there, Hunter? So, yeah, back in fall 2016, we saw a huge amount of uh, rejection letters. It was uh, 36,000 36, from the fall semester, which kind of led Connolly to have to address the not really issue but notion that the school is leaning more towards an elite campus yeah yeah i I, that's kind of like this like preconceived notion that you know the better the school the less people get in right Uh, or how did she kind of put it hunter well what she said in her quote and this was reported by ed source back in 2016 other schools use their low admission rates as a point of pride Mm -hmm. anything rare becomes more desirable We do not want to go down that path of saying we're becoming an elite university that only takes the best and brightest. Yeah, and then just to clarify that, that is um, Connolly's exact quote. That's her exact quote. Uh And for this upcoming fall semester, uh, give or take a few seats, of the 102,000, only about 8,500 of them will be accepted into the school. Yeah, so I don't know, man. I mean, I don't know. It's not like, you know... Cal State Long Beach was, like, my only option when coming here, but it was definitely a nice feeling to, you know, get accepted into here as well as all the other places I applied, and I eventually ended up going here. Um, What was kind of your... Because you're a transfer student as well, right, Hunter? Yeah, I'm a transfer, Uh and we're actually seeing a pretty high amount of transfers. Not anything record-breaking, but Mm -hmm. around 33,000 of those applicants were transfers, while 65,000 were the first-time freshman applicants. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, man, were you waitlisted when you um, applied? or No, surprisingly, I got in mm-hmm. with well, a 2.89. Yeah. Were you coming in that 2016 dry season, or were you... Um, I came in in fall, fall 2016. Oh, so you you were one of the pack. You were one of the elite. One of the best and brightest. Uh-huh. You went to what? Pedro? Or? El Camino Community College uh-huh. over in Torrance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. So, I don't know. I mean... For some reason, you're listening to this and haven't actually got accepted yet, which would be a bit weird if you were, but okay. Um, I guess I wish you the best of luck. Um, so, yeah, that also kind of plays into a tuition crease over there, doesn't it, Hunter? Uh, yeah. So, to compensate for the low amount that we received from, uh, or are going to receive from Jerry Brown's budget plan, an outcome of this whole thing could be an increase in tuition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which, you know, that, of course, impacts students, obviously, and that impacts students coming in as well. And with that, we actually get to segue over to our opinions editor, who needs to kind of come back into the mic there. Okay, you ready? Yeah, I'm ready to to go. You're going to stick around, Hunter? Uh, I have to go actually cover the resistance. Uh, YDSA Uh having their first semester meeting right now. Is that the DNC, our Young Democrats thing? Yeah, Young young Democratic Socialists of America. Yeah, well, well, read that. Youth, excuse me. Youth, youth. youth. Uh, Is that coming out tomorrow? 
Uh, Sunday. It'll be in Sunday. 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 Pick that up and read it, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. All right. It's just me and you, Daniel. Okay. All right. Alone in the studio. So as Hunter mentioned, that the school, the CSU system did not receive as much funding as they expected this year. Yeah. Governor Brown's proposal for 2008-2019 which was much less than they expected and mm-hmm. were estimating as they needed. Yeah. So it, it, it's yeah. So it, and once again, this comes to, back to your opinion piece that's publishing tonight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, on kind of um, the response of that being a possible tuition increase as well. Um, what are kind of like the conflicting issues that come up with that there, Daniel? Well, one thing we have to understand that yeah, because there, we have to find that money somewhere. If the state is not giving us the funding we need, mm-hmm. we of course we need to operate school, we need to pay salaries, we need to keep everything going. We had to get that money has to come from somewhere. Yeah. But my problem has always been that the school kind of the first the state cuts this money and the school kind of goes to students. We, they raise tuition. Yeah. It just seems that seems to be the first response almost. Uh-huh. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, because you could play a little bit of devil's advocate here and it's like, oh, students can always take out more loans is the mm-hmm. thing. But that's like a, a certain amount of like of a toxic, like pre- um, perpetuating like debt culture, I guess you could say, that comes to like actually going through and moving through college and everything like that. Yeah. But my problem is that when you're expecting students to take loans, you're kind of pushing that on their backs. It's mm-hmm. kind of expect, you're expect, it hurts them down the line. Yeah. As someone who has taken loans, I get some financial aid, but as someone who has loans, I had to pay that back. Yeah. Expecting more students to pay that back in the future, I think, hurts them. Uh-huh. Are you paying back your loans already? Hmm? Oh, no, no. I have... I'm trying to take too much, but I'm not paying them back yet. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm I'm only at the, like, five grand, uh, like, or not five grand, excuse me. I'm taking, like, two grand out in loans a semester, so it's not insane, but it's, it's, it's like, I came into this, like, oh, I was able to basically just pay for community college working, like, a bar back job, mm-hmm. like, off of, you know, tips and hours that span from eight o'clock at night till two in the morning, you know? It, right. It was tough but you know it definitely kicked my ass but it was possible you know whereas that's not something that's achievable at a community college or not a community college an actual university particularly like CSUs in California and so on and so forth so it's it's an inevitability so so this also plays into admin raises though as well at least from the like kind of vantage point you're looking at could you go into that a little bit well what happened was late last year the board of trustees did vote to have a 2.5% raise for executive executive officers mm-hmm. and my, it's kind of curious to me because why would you wait so long into last year knowing a couple months later that you're going to be getting a budget for 2018 mm-hmm. it, it's kind of this makes sense to go ahead and approve those races. We don't know what's going to be happening in a couple of months. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, yes, um, but once again, I'm playing devil's advocate here, guys. I'm not, like, um, advocating for tuition <laughs> raises at all. But you also have to factor in um, contracts as well. And then um, I was covering um, that BOT raise. Um, that's Board of Trustees out there for the layman um last semester um when i was a staff writer on the paper which i still am but you know a dedicated staff writer i guess you would call it so the thing was at least from um talking to um 
I'm blanking on the CSU's PR person's name off the top of my head right now. But going back and forth with him, um, a lot of those um, admin, like, actual pays were, like, relatively low compared to UCs and then other colleges throughout the nation. So how do you kind of um, reconcile that? Well, my argument is not to say that our professors and board trustees do not deserve raises. Mm-hmm. They all work very hard. They you know do what they can to keep the school going in the students' best interest most of the time. Mm-hmm. But uh, my argument is that if you know that the budget is going to be coming in a couple of months, why was it planned a couple of months bef- before the budget uh, proposal comes out? Mm-hmm. Why not wait four or five months when you know what you're going to be working with going into th- 2008 and 2019? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's so you're kind of like putting it as like um, this was either short-sighted or like just you know it, it could have been an issue that not necessarily addressed but handled better. Yeah, and it did come out when it came out. People did talk about why why did you get these raises? It did wait until June to know what the proposal was going to be. They could have figured out, okay, this is not a good right time to go to raises. Or if the proposal was what they had expected, the $263 million, mm-hmm. they could have gone ahead and get, got, given themselves a raises, and there would have been no controversy. Yeah. And then, well, I mean, to like kind of blow this issue up even further like into like a national scale, it also goes into, um, say, the tax plan and then Jerry Brown's thing and mm-hmm. then all that. Could you kind of elaborate on that for us, Daniel? Well, Jerry Brown, as some people have known, has been very critical of the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. And he is expecting a recession because of the administration's policies, the mm-hmm. tax plan and his, his you know view on the economy in general. Mm-hmm. So he has tried to put money aside into, I guess you could say, a rainy, a rainy day account, mm-hmm. and he's he wants to inflate it to thirteen point five billion. Mm-hmm. And the goal is for the next governor who comes into office after Brown, he has money to pay for social services that Brown is expecting to be cut. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so there's at least a, I guess, a reason for like not being able to fund the CSU at the amount that it is, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But still, man, I mean. I don't, I don't know. I, I, on the on the one hand, I get it, you know, but on the other, you also have to look at um, like the CSUs and the UCs and like California colleges as servicing really like a lot of people, like you know, ex- uh, like particularly like Cal State Long Beach. We have one of the larger like enrollment numbers in the state. I mean, we're a physically larger campus and all that. So it, it it's just it, it's a it's a tough it, it's a tough titties balance I guess you could say. Yeah, and I think it is about balance, but I think the problem is when you only fund about a third of what they need. I think that's where the problem comes in. Mm-hmm. It's not so much that they didn't that they're putting money aside. I think Brown's intentions are good, and the logic is there that we need, do need a plan just in case a recession does happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw a Dow kind of drop a bit. That could be a sign of something in the future. It could be yeah. nothing, but it could be. Yeah. So I understand his logic. But to only put $92 million into proposal for CSU systems the, doesn't really make sense, especially at a time where we're getting an influx of transfer students and students applying to come here. Yeah, and that once again, that falls back on Hunter's story. High um, like actual application rates, and we're going to have to turn a decent amount of them away. Well, guys, we are going to um, kind of cut away for a brief break. But once again, if you are listening to us on SoundCloud, we will be back literally in a second because I am going to be editing this for like 30 minutes tomorrow to get it to get all the music and commercials out there. But anyway, here you go, guys. 
And welcome back to the Daily 49er Update. Uh, my name is Joel Vaughn. I am your host. And we actually have another two newbies in the studio with us today. We have our assistant news editor over here to my left, uh, Sarah. If you'd like to introduce yourself, give yourself the whole spiel and whatnot. Why, hello there. Great. Like Joel said, I'm the assistant news editor and i um, excited to be here. Mm-hmm. And cool. And then we got one of our three tenors over there, too. Diego, um, give them the whole spiel. Who are you? What do you do? Hi, um, my name is Diego Gomez. I'm a staff writer for Daily 49er, mm-hmm. and I'm extremely happy to be here. <laughs> well, you don't yet overplay it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so um, starting off, um, you're environmental bee, aren't you? Are you manage the environmental bee? Correct, yeah. Yeah, so we're actually starting off with a story on that um, with the Long Beach port. Uh, specifically, their um, air action plan from 2005. What's kind of like the overall like goals and gearing towards that there, Sarah? Right. So the Clean Air Action Plan um, was put in place to help reduce pollution um, from every source, such as the cargo handling equipment, trucks and cranes, and um, vehicles in general. Mm-hmm. And um, so the port actually recently just got an update to their clean air action plan and so their goal now is to eliminate all emissions from terminal cargo holding equipment by 2030 Mm -hmm. and then after that all emissions from vessels at birth by 2035 Mm -hmm. okay so what like what was their kind of like track mark i guess you can say so far um particularly back in 2017 Track mark. <laughs> track mark, track record. I like making up words. Oh, okay. Th- yeah. Um, well, last year, the port commissioners reported that the port-related diesel emissions had been reduced by 88% in mm-hmm. 2017. Um, and looking forward, um, within the next two years, all terminals in the port um, will have to utilize reservation systems. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all just to help with uh, pollution and everything going on at the port. Um and this was all said at the State of the Port Address in on January 22nd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then we also, you were kind enough to actually go out and seek a professional here on campus to uh, <laughs> get a quote on all of this. Yeah. Right. Um, his name is David Pepper, and he is the geography, he's one of the geography and geology lecturers um, here on campus. Mm-hmm. And um, he told me that, yeah, this would be great. Um, This would be a great thing for them to do to help clean up the port and be like a leading example. Um, But it does sound a little bit more ambitious Mm -hmm. than one would think is likely. Yeah, it's a little bit lofty, um, particularly like um, like the cuts by 2030 and 2056. Yeah. Right. Um, They are trying to, well, they said that it's expected to reduce greenhouse gases by 40% by 2030 mm-hmm. and 80% by 2050. Um, so that is what David Pepper was saying was like kind of, you yeah. Know. Yeah, but I mean, is it a good thing to be this ambitious about? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. The okay. executive director, Mario Cordero, kept calling the Long Beach port, the green port of the future. And mm. he was really excited about it. So Yeah, he, he was jazzed. <laughs> yeah. He, he was he was psyched. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so um, let's just skip right down to your thoughts on this whole thing, Sarah. Like, what what do you think about this? Do you think this is good? Like, how do you think that they should keep pursuing and so on and so forth? Right. Well, of course, I think it's like it's definitely something good and something that 
I think is important for us to be an example because so the Long Beach Port and the um, I think one in LA are like these big terminals where they have a lot of influence in a lot of different places mm-hmm. and they are they I'm pretty sure like international they they deal with stuff all over the nation mm-hmm. as well and so they a, a lot of people see what's going on and it's nice to see that this is sort of like an example that they're setting yeah. and I feel like recently a lot of setbacks yeah, have been uh, sending people into an environmental frenzy. Yeah, I mean, uh, particularly with um, p- the pulling back of the climate accords like last year. Or the, right. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I guess it's slightly, because uh, this is on a city level, like the port, yeah. like the port is city owned. So I, at least on like a small government level, we are, we're still trying, I yeah. guess you could say, even though we're out in, you know. We're, we live in a coastal city of California. We 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 are probably like demographically more liberal than the rest of the country. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, we're not laying down and giving up just yet. Yeah, and I think every little bit mm-hmm. um, counts. You know, like every little um, bit that people try to roll back on pollution and um, the, these cargo emissions. Um, so I think it's nice that they're being proactive and trying to help out. Yeah, man. Well, cool. Well, that 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 caps off those emissions about that story. That was supposed to be a joke pun thing, but it did oh. not work. <laughs> it's okay though, because up next we have Diego, and yeah. So you um like covered the dorm survey that's actually being worked on right now. So how did that go? What was that like? What did you kind of see and find out of that? Well, actually, Joel, um, the they were doing a market. Uh, market research strategy. Mm-hmm. It's a survey they wanted to do to make sure what the students want for for mm-hmm. future um, housing buildings they're doing. Mm-hmm. And pretty much in the future, they're building 900 beds yeah. close to to campus. And pretty much what what they wanted to, to do is what students want, mm-hmm. how they wanted to live. Yeah, and what's kind of like um, both the time frame of that gathering of information mm-hmm. and what like specific, like specifics on what they're looking to gather, you know? Yeah. Um, the survey started February 1st, mm-hmm. and it will end on February 12th. Mm-hmm. Um, specifics that we want, wanted to gather, they actually want people to know if they want a kitchen in the room, mm-hmm. if they want to live in a single bed, how much are they willing to pay in a single bed. Yeah. Um, also, if they want to live with three people. Mm-hmm. Um, if different... Um, Did, this, the, first, the survey gives you different situations yeah. where you can choose. I don't think anyone wants to live with three people. I think it's more <laughs> that you settle for living with three people. You, you know? Yeah, it's pretty unlikely someone will be... Someone will be like, yeah, dude, just I, I want a bunk <laughs> bed and I just want to be in a room with three guys. It's, <laughs> it's going to be pretty, pretty great. So, yeah. Yeah, you can find that video online as well. It's <laughs> um, a joke. Um, so, yeah... Um, so what are kind of like the rewards, the incentives for like participating in the survey? Yeah, so this company called Braceful and Dumbly, mm-hmm. um, they were contracted by housing, and they give awards to students that do the survey. Each day, there's a new winner. Mm-hmm. Um, there's things like uh, Dr. Dre Beats, mm-hmm. an Apple iWatch, a free year, year-long subscription from Netflix, yeah, and the grand prize is free tuition for t- fall 2018. Yeah, so that's like... 
That's what they want to win. That, that, that's what everyone's gunning for. Yes. Uh, uh, there's was this little show that was on air for a while called Community, and they would. <laughs> there, there's a paintball game thing, but yeah, but yeah, no, uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, but yeah, man, free tuition. So that's that's definitely going to be an incentive to get people out there. But you know, you're one of the many. So exactly. Realistically, if you're listening to this, you probably won't get it. Yeah, and <laughs> actually, just to add on, um, they want to reach over for thousand correspondents so but because th- they this company also was the one that made for the rec center mm-hmm. they got over 14,000 so chances of winning I mean pretty slim yeah <laughs> yeah definitely so uh, I mean why are your kind of thoughts on the, like this initiative around the dorms Diego well I think it's a good thing they ask around students also talking from students they really do believe and appreciate the housing is getting their their thoughts of what they want, how they want to live, mm-hmm. how much they want to pay. Yeah. But um, there's a lot of things in dorming that um, students don't like. For example, the food. Yeah. Food is horrible. <laughs> yeah. Do you know from first-hand experience? First-hand experience. Oh, really? You're you're in the dorms. <laughs> I am. Oh man. So this this is a story that's close to home for you. Then. It is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what? I mean, I don't know, man. I guess what do you? Like, what do you want out of the dorms? What, like, what would your survey say there, Diego? Well, I, I feel the survey, but still, what what I would say is, well, cheaper housing <laughs> will work a lot. Yeah. Um, having one's privacy, uh-huh. I think privacy is very important. Um, students want their privacy, yeah. and I mean, even if they get to share a bathroom with maybe his, his or her roommate, mm-hmm. that would be okay. But sharing a bathroom between six or eight people. It's a big no-no for me. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, what, what are you hoping the end of resolve this is? I really hope that they see that students want to, like I said, their privacy. Also, the fact that we don't want to pay that much for housing. Yeah. We want to pay less. But on the, on the other hand, a really good thing about housing is that um, the RAs, the people that live around there, are really good people. They really do make you feel like home, mm-hmm. and that's that's a positive side. And even talking with Corey Colina, mm-hmm. the housing executive, um, he really he's he's doing a great job. He's doing a great job, and, and he really does want students to feel like home. But they they have to keep working to get yeah. where they want to be. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, man. Uh, I guess that closes us out on housing, unless you have anything else to add. And nothing to add. Nothing to add. Well, that actually wraps our show for the night. Tonight went decent, I think. Yeah, it went all right. Um, You've been listening to the D49er update um, from 22 West um, in conjunction with the Daily 49er. Um, Check back next week, um, Wednesdays from 7 to 8, to hear the next live broadcast. Or we will also be reposted on SoundCloud tomorrow. Um, which will eventually also go to iTunes, Google Play, and then be tweeted out and all that good stuff. So, yeah, guys, uh, check us out and all that. See ya.